grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my brothers, my sisters in Christ. If you had 10 seconds to tell someone everything there is to know about you, everything required to know about you, to understand you as a person, what would you say? If you have a job, you might mention what you do for a living. If you're retired, you might mention what you used to do for a living. If you're in the military, you might mention your rank. You might mention some deployments you went on. You might mention your specific area that you've been in charge of. If you've won any awards in your life, you might mention that. If you have a master's or PhD, you might mention that. If you're a proud parent, you might mention that, or grandparent as well. But imagine you ask someone that. You stop someone in the street and you say, quick, 10 seconds, tell me everything I need to know to understand you as a person. And the person that you're talking to says, wow, okay, 10 seconds, um, let's see. I struggle. I'm a chronic procrastinator. I make very poor use of my time. I have some very bad habits that I've never been able to kick. I am weak. I've, I have a short temper. I succumb to stress easily. You would say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's stuff you tell your therapist or your best friend. That's your deep, dark secrets. You don't just tell anyone off the street about your deep, dark secrets, do you? Why not? It's because in life, we are trained by our experiences, by what we see out there, to put our best foot forward, to make the best impression we possibly can. So you are trained you are to emphasize your strengths, your achievements, to sell yourself, whether we're talking about a job interview or your Facebook profile bio. You are going to share the things you are most proud of, the things you most like about yourself. You're not going to share your deepest, darkest secrets with the entire world. And for good reason. The world is judgmental. There's a reason why we put our best foot forward, the, a reason why we are conditioned to emphasize, even exaggerate our strengths, because we know that's what everyone in our lives are looking for. Our friends are, are our friends, but isn't there a little bit of pressure to keep them mindful that you're worth the time they spend with you? A little bit of pressure to be funny to share good stories, to be a good listener. Otherwise, not so sure if they'll stay your friend. At work, forget about it. There's tons of pressure, especially when you first start out, right? To prove that you're valuable to the company, to prove that hiring you or promoting you was a good decision. A lot of pressure for you to contribute. And how much it hurts when we feel like our worth isn't recognized. You find out that your friends had gotten together last week and nobody texted you. You feel hurt. Your mind automatically goes to the extreme. Do they not like me anymore? Are they, they not my friends anymore? There's a project at work, something real serious, and you weren't even considered to be on the team. And that hurts. What, do they not think I'm any good? Do they not think I could help out? This is my area. I know how to do that. Your brain might go to the worst. Am I going to get fired? Where does this pressure come from to perform, 
to justify our existence, to prove to everyone else that we are worth the space that we take up on this planet. Where does that come from? Does it come from the outside or from the inside? Are we trying to justify our existence to the people in our lives, to the people we work for or hang out with, or are we trying to justify our existence to ourselves? And we're just looking for other people to validate us, other people to remind us, to prove to us that we are worthy, that we are valuable, because we're not so sure we are. We're not so sure we can give ourselves permission to say, I belong here, I am valuable. What do you anchor your hope to, your value to, your confidence to? Is it in the stuff you have accomplished? When you think of why you belong here, do you think of the degrees that you have, the jobs that you've worked, the, de the deployments that you've served, or the amount of pages of the Bible that you've read? When Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians, he is overwhelmingly positive. He is joyful, he is rejoicing, and for good reason. The Philippians, as far as Christians go, seemed like they were just model brothers and sisters in Christ. They did so many things well. They were worth celebrating because they were such strong, strong people of faith. But in this particular section of Philippians, Paul takes a bit of a detour. He takes a break from the rejoicing and the happy talk because he has to warn them and us about something. He has to warn them about an idea that was common in his day and is all too common in ours, the idea that you can justify yourself before God, that you can prove your worth to God on your own. That you can demonstrate by your achievements, by what you bring to the table, to God, that you matter. In Paul's day, the issue was taking the rules and laws of the Old Testament that no longer apply to Christians and saying, we're going to follow those because that's how we show that God should accept us. That's how we show that God should love us because we're good rule followers. And Paul has to say, brothers and sisters, that is not how it works. Because if it were, who would deserve more acceptance and love and, and justification than Paul himself? Look at his track record that he shares with us in Philippians. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul says, if anyone gets justified and accepted before God because of how well they follow Old Testament rules, that's me. And look at him. Circumcised on the eighth day, the exact time that a baby boy was supposed to be circumcised. Trained up with a premier education in the Jewish community back then. You could not get a better education than the one that Paul got. He is a Hebrew among Hebrews. He practiced the Jewish and Hebrew customs to a T. As far as his zeal, he was so zealous for God. Zealous for the Old Testament. Zealous for Hebrew customs that when these Christians came along, he persecuted them. And at the time, he thought it was because he loved God. 
So if anybody deserves to be called righteous, deserves to be accepted by God on their own terms, it was Paul, right? No, not even him. Because it doesn't work like that. Trying to anchor your hope and your confidence on what you have done is like trying to stop a cargo ship by anchoring it to a beach ball. It's not going to work. It's like showing up to a black tie event in your favorite shirt or blue jeans. Special to you, but it's not enough to get you in. We can emphasize and point to all the achievements we have made, and that's good, and other people might be impressed, but God is not impressed. God was not impressed with Paul and his performance. God did not accept Paul on the basis of what he has done because that's not how God works. God works through Jesus. Your confidence can come only through Jesus. You're standing at the door of that party in your t-shirt, in your blue jeans. You want to get in and they're rejecting you, saying you got to come back in much fancier clothes. Jesus runs to the door, runs to the bouncer, and he says, I've got it right here. And he clothes you in his righteousness. Does God love you for you? Does God accept you as you are? No, he doesn't. Because there are parts of you, those deep, dark parts that you don't share with strangers, that you might not even share with your closest friend, that God knows about, those sinful parts of you. Someone's got to do something about those parts of you before God can accept you, before God can bring you in. That's what Jesus has done, brothers and sisters. He has taken all of our darkness, all of our wickedness, all of our sin, all of our deep, dark secrets. He knew them all, but because he loved you so much, he took them to his cross and was crucified with them. Your deep, dark secrets are dead and buried. God's not going to mention it ever again. And in their place, even though you couldn't come up with a righteousness on your own, you have a righteousness, you have an acceptance. It has been given to you. By Christ. Because God has forgiven your sin and took hold of you, brought you into his family through faith in Christ, you belong to him. God does accept you because of Christ. Because when he looks at you, he sees the fancy clothes of Christ's righteousness. You are not just in the party. You are in the VIP room with God himself. That's where your confidence comes from. That's where you anchor your hope and your assurance. That's how you know you can be okay with yourself because God has made you okay. He has given you value. He has given you worth. You are worthy only and always in Jesus Christ. So Paul thinks back to all those things he used to be proud of, his education, his upbringing, his family, and he says, that's all good, fine, maybe. Persecuting the church is not a positive thing, but all of us, we can get proud about our achievements, and it's good. It's good if you have served your country. Be proud of that. It's good if you have achieved higher education. It's good if you have a good personality, people like you, and you have a good sense of humor, very down-to-earth. All things very positive, but 
if any of those things become your anchor, the reason that you feel okay with God, if you start to think that for any of those reasons God has accepted you, throw it out. Throw it in the trash heap. Paul calls his stuff garbage because that's what it is if it gets in the way of your relationship with Christ. If you ever catch yourself being tempted to think, yeah, you know what, I'm pretty good. I bring a lot to the table for God because of this or that. Stop yourself and throw those thoughts away. That's trash. Your acceptance and love comes only through Christ. Throw away all obstacles so that you can see him more clearly, so that you can be more firm and more secure in Jesus Christ. So what now? Are we good before God so we can just sit on our laurels? Well, when you heard this lesson, you don't see Paul feel that way at all. He's not a rock collecting moss. No, he wants to be on the move. Look at how he says it again. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you already have Christ. Strive for what you already have. In a good marriage, in the ideal marriage, Husband and wife don't say about each other, nah, I got that person pretty well figured out. We're pretty much done. We've gotten about as good as we can get at this whole marriage thing. No, in a good marriage, aren't husband and wife constantly learning more about each other, learning how to serve and love each other, growing in their marriage, right? Not because they're afraid of losing the marriage. They don't grow, they don't serve because they're afraid that if they don't, the other person will leave them. No, this comes from love and service. Brothers and sisters, you have a relationship with Jesus. You have him. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. Nothing's going to happen to make Jesus love you any less or forgive you any less. But aren't you going to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Your relationship with Jesus is not a rock that sits there. It is a plant. It, there is room to grow and tend and nurture it. None of us have arrived, have we? None of us have learned all that there is to learn. None of us have grown in all the ways that there is to grow. But so good is Jesus, our Lord, that not only has he brought you into himself, but he's also given you everything you need 
to grow in your relationship with him. That's why we have church every week. That's why next week as we enter Holy Week, we're going to have a bunch of services to celebrate and to remember what Christ has done for us, growing, striving, learning together. That's why we do Sunday school. That's why we do confirmation class. That's why we do Bible basics. That's why we do Bible study, so that we can strive together for what we already have, our relationship with Jesus. But we say with Paul, I want to know Christ. I want to strive for my Jesus. I want to grow. Not because we're worried we won't rise at the resurrection of the dead. Not because we're worried we will lose our forgiveness through Jesus, but because of his great love for us. Brothers and sisters, strive with us. And if someone stops you on the street and, tell, and says to you, tell me in 10 seconds everything there is to know about you, you know that they might be judgy. You know that they might be sizing you up. But with Jesus, you can lay everything bare. Your strengths, your weaknesses, doesn't matter. Forget what is behind. Strive for what is ahead. How do you know you are valuable? How do you know you are worth the space you take up on planet Earth? Because of Christ. Because God values you in Jesus. Because God accepts you because of Jesus. Amen.